0: Good day, and welcome to episode twelve of Juice Balls. I'm Brad Johnson, and today we're joined by the renowned Yancey Eaton. Good day, sir.
1: Brad, hello. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I uh, I was very proud and happy to see that Juice Balls made it through the first round of the bracket tournament, um, which is honestly a pretty cool feat considering that this is a relatively new podcast and like you're just now going with it and you're able to make your mark and kind of you know stick around in that podcast bracket. That was Pretty cool. Like, what'd you think about that?
0: Yeah, it was it was great. I think that that baseball pod's account was created about the same time that I started this podcast, and I think maybe that mm-hmm. timing got me a better seed than I really deserved. I was a nine seed, and yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I legitimately yep. should have been a fifteen or sixteen. Uh, but yeah. I'll take it, even though it led to me running into sleeper in the bust in the second round. That was a bloodbath. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's to be expected. But you know, overall, like my general thoughts on that was I was I felt like I was constantly being put in a weird position where I was I was having to like pick favorites, and I really only did promotion for one specific matchup, which was uh, the guys at CBS versus Launch Angle, and you know Rob Silver and Jeff Zimmerman, and obviously Van Lee, who's you know they're all friends of mine, and I love the CBS guys and Chris Towers and Al not Al Macior but um <clears throat> Adam Azer. Like, I, I love all those guys, but it was just such an obvious, like, one is a corporate entity backed by CVS. It doesn't mean that they're not good people, but, you know, launching was this scrappy podcast and I really wanted to see them get through. And, you know, they they did and Pitcherless ended up winning it all. But there were so many friends and so many different podcasts that I've either been on or contributed to or, you know, just loved listening to over the years that it was, I felt like there were, there were more losers and there were winners in this whole thing simply because, um, I don't know, it just made people like... It, you were put in this impossible position as a podcaster where if you don't care about it, you run the risk of getting upset and it makes your podcast look bad. Right. And then if you do care about it, you look like you care about it, which you just don't (laughs) want to do either. So it was just like one of those things where I, I mostly kept my mouth shut about it. and You know, I did vote for things. And um, like I said, I was thrilled to see you, you advance and a bunch of other podcasts of people that have just been doing really great work. And I'm hoping that the, you know, ultimately it's a meaningless poll it was just to have fun it's just like right. all these other brackets that are just running rampant on twitter right now um and i think chris's intentions were fantastic and i know that it was just to basically get exposure to some podcasts that people maybe haven't been turned on to and i, I hope that that's the you know the the main theme of it is maybe some more podcasts got a, a few more downloads and, and gain a you know more loyal listener base than they had before
0: yeah yeah I, I hope it it does work out a lot for Everyone involved. I I certainly enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of fun. I had a brief moment in the sleeper and the bus matchup where I woke up and I was like pulling at like twenty eight percent, and I did a little promotion. Mm -hmm. I put out an episode, and I got all the way up to forty eight percent. And I was like, "I'm going to do it. I'm going to overcome them." And then I like steadily just fell down the rest of the day, back down to like thirty or something in that range. Uh, got thoroughly yeah, well, crushed, but there, there was a brief, all brief span, brief time,
1: 500 votes or so. How many hundreds of people still voted for you, though? You know what I mean. Like you, I mean, it sucks to lose. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you how to feel. Like, obviously, <laughs> it sucks to lose, but it's also really encouraging whenever it's, you know, when you see that many people that are voting against you, or I'm sorry, voting for you, but maybe they're also voting against the people that you're going against. So like, there's this weird wrinkle to it. You know what I mean? Like, are they voting for me? Or are they voting for not Justin Mason or, you know, like not Paul Spohr? Like that, that was the part I think that was really interesting to me. Yeah. There, there's
0: definitely a few matchups where I just wanted to see the results. So I picked the underdog and got to look mm-hmm. at it. And I think there, yeah. there was a degree of that happening. Uh, I think Vlad Sedler was talking about it. Uh, hate voting or hate drafting of it. Uh, yeah. So... yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that was definitely involved, I'm sure. Uh, But I think I probably must have had at least 300 votes because we had a ton of votes overall. There's a big question that I wanted to ask you and I hit it on the script and uh, Bradley Newman on Twitter kind of teased a little. Uh, But Mm -hmm. you're considered one of the top Twitter people in all of baseball, uh, at least by me. Uh, so did a young Yancey aspire to become this celebrity or did your unfettered talent just force you down this path?
1: Uh, no, um, not at all. What's really funny is, you know, I only have, I think, 4,500 or 4,700 followers, which is, you know, comparatively speaking, that is an extremely small account, right? Um, I've been on here for 10 years and just always plugging along. And I've, you know, I've podcasted in the back, you know, in the past, so I haven't really been podcasting here recently. Um, but just reaching out to people, making friends with people, building connections. So I have a small audience, but it's like fiercely loyal and they're all interconnected. And, you know, anybody with a podcast, those are the people that I reach out to just because I don't have baseball friends in real life. And I've told this story on a couple of podcasts. It's really not that interesting, but I mean, really like all of my social interaction, especially now with, you know, with this whole COVID-19 thing is it's through Twitter. So I'm reaching out to these people and whenever somebody says, hey, you know, here's a new podcast, please listen to it. Please download it. Please share it. Please leave us a review. I'm that guy that will go take a couple of minutes and do that and befriend these people. And the next thing you know, like these turn into real friendships, you know, like some of my my, literally my best friends in in the entire world are people that I've met on Twitter. And um, so, like I said, it's not like I have a huge audience or anything like that. It's just, I'm, I'm kind of connected to everybody. So I think you, maybe you hear my name mentioned a little bit more on podcasts and it probably should be (laughs) considering the amount of output that I have or, don't have (laughs) but um yeah just it it does feel nice to hear your name mentioned and then you know people say that they consider you friends and stuff but it's just my own little vain thing that i love is is just getting in on podcasts without actually having to produce content it's kind of like a cheat
0: (laughs) yeah one of the things that's always stood out to me about you is like you say you're you're not really a content producer you did some podcasts in the past and you appear as Mm guest but you don't have like a regular writing platform and that's what most podcasters like—they they were writers and they did podcasting too. uh Yeah, and yeah. So it's always stood out to me that you, you've you you do kind of have like a good grasp on on Twitter, and uh, you've kind of you're kind of a nexus point for all of baseball Twitter. I think all all of our fantasy corner of it anyway, uh, they're, yeah. they're going to know you even though you're not producing that, content. That's that's that really interests right. me.
1: I think that um. It, it's it, it's interesting because it works out for me because I don't have to produce said content. And also it makes it difficult for people whenever they invite me to things. Like, uh, you know, if they invite me to a live stream or a mock draft or an industry league or TGFBI and I have to put down, you know, what my affiliation with the site is, and I'm always operating in this, this kind of weird gray area, this muddled area of, well, I'm, you know, I'm on baseball Twitter and like I've podcasted before, but I'm not currently writing right now. and I'm not currently doing this. And you'll see like a Roto world mock draft right up. And then it's just like my name and the, and it's empty next to it. And then everybody else has all these sites and podcasts and, you know, actually producing really good content. And so, so like I said, I'm kind of like the lurch, I'm kind of, I'm kind of like the cheat, but I, I try to be nice about it. And everybody, they, they kind of oblige. If I were, you know, just if I were a complete jerk, I don't think I would have nearly the um <laughs> the positive feedback on that.
0: Well, sure, sure, it, it works because people like you. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's what comes down so. to it at the end of the day. And uh, yeah. like you say, you, you you do you do hustle a little bit for everyone. Uh, when when people ask you for a little bit of help, you give a little bit of help, and uh, we all appreciate that. And a lot of people will ignore you when you ask for help, so. That, mm-hmm. that, that really stands out to, I think, everyone.
1: Yeah, for it, sure. Absolutely. In any
0: case, we have a, a busy show planned, uh, so let's just get right to it.
1: Boys, let's get to it. To it.
0: Uh, Yancey, you're obviously very tapped into the baseball community. We are just talking about that. Uh, so I s- mm-hmm. assume you've kept up with uh, my rival podcast, The Sleeper in the Bust. Uh, mm-hmm. We talked about they recently defeated me in that podcast bracket, and I'm sure you're devastated, uh, so so.
1: Yeah, it, I'm devastated. still getting over it. <laughs> I haven't left the house in two weeks. I haven't left the house in two weeks, okay. and it's unrelated to COVID-19. It's that, it's just me being upset that you didn't advance. That, so.
0: That's an appropriate <laughs> level of devastation, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, one of the things for quarantine content that Paul Spore and Justin Mason are doing is they've turned to drafting pretty much anything. It's uh, so like TV shows, characters, games, you name it, they've done it. Uh, they're up to seven of these drafts so far. And what we're going to do for our first scenario is our own draft. And it's going to be a draft of the sleeper and the bust drafts. Uh, so the rules are very simple. We'll do 10 rounds. Uh, the universe of choices includes everything that they've picked. Uh, not, their honorable mentions do not count. A full draft board is available in our show notes, uh, so you can get a sense of what's available to us. And Yancey, as the guest, you may choose first. Uh, before we begin, let me just run down quickly what the categories are. Uh, the first draft they did was sports video games, followed by TV sitcoms, board games, which seems to include card games, uh, TV hourlongs, so dramas for the most part, uh, sports movies, things we hate about sports, and cartoon characters. All right, Anthony. what is your first pick?
1: I thought about this a lot, and uh, I, I will say this. Paul and Justin, they got a lot of flack for a lot of these picks, and for the most part, I I agree with a lot of the picks, and I'm, I'm not going to hate on them for including this person. I'm not including that one. As somebody who's made a lot of lists on podcasts before with Pop Goes Your World, it is extremely difficult to make everybody happy, and you're always towing this line between... Am I am I giving people fan service? Am I am I putting the names on there that I think from an intellectual standpoint they should be there, or am I doing this for me? And I think some people even called out Justin, especially saying like like for the cartoon characters, for instance, that he was he was just trying to you know score all of the internet points kind of thing by taking right. like the the slam dumps. right? Um, I want to defend him a little bit. I I, I don't agree with that, but for the sake of this exercise because it's a little bit more interesting I'm literally just going to pick the stuff that I like and I don't care if it's dumb. So with my first pick, um, I'm going to take what was Paul's first pick in the TV hour longs. And I'm going to take Breaking Bad. Um, very quickly, it is honestly one of the greatest shows of all time, if not the greatest. I understand if you're not into the whole violence and drug dynamic, but um, Vince Gilligan from a writing standpoint and building a world and planting these little easter eggs throughout the course of, you know, multiple seasons and it, it, it's one of those shows where it has so many legs to it and you can go back and learn and pick up on more things and realize that there were actually all these little minute storylines within one show. And it's just, it's just such a well done like piece of art. I timed it whenever, um the, whenever the show was on TV, I never watched it because I don't have cable and um, I promise you all of our rounds won't be this long. This is our first one. So the next ones will be shorter. Um, but uh, I, I, I timed it to where I caught up on Netflix, and then the day before I watched the last episode, it was actually the season finale on TV, so I got to watch it live and kind of sweat that with everybody on Twitter, and it was it was honestly one of the coolest experiences of my life, just, like, that communal appointment viewing that is, like, so rare these days, like, you really only see it for live sports, and you see it for, you know, Game of Thrones or, like, a handful of, you know, huge, big-time legacy-type shows, but... Um, Breaking Bad is just—it's so phenomenal. And if you guys still haven't watched it, you have to. That's that—it's the one v one. It is the very best show ever. Um, So that's going to be my first pick. Sorry, it was so long.
0: I I appreciate the explanation. I was going to actually ask you to elaborate if you didn't on your own. So that worked out.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I'm also going with a Paul first pick. Uh, His very first pick Mm -hmm. is from the sports video games draft MVP 2005. I had the. I originally had the PlayStation version, uh, which I think a lot of people uh, played it through PlayStation. But I also eventually got the computer version after they didn't update. Uh, That's the final year of the series. And the computer version had a a very active online modding community. So they actually put out a whole new, pretty much rework of the engine that they called MVP 08. And they did updated rosters through at least 2014, which is when I stopped playing it. So I, I gave that game a good 9, 10-year run. And it's mm-hmm. it's still the best, like most fun baseball simulation that I've played to date. Uh, so I'm putting that down as my sports video game and first-round pick.
1: You know what? Nobody not nobody everybody that I talk to and I see on Twitter and everything everybody keeps talking about that game over and over and over I've honestly never played it and it's one of those huge glaring kind of things like when I tell people I've never seen any of the Godfather movies they just look at me like I like I have face cancer and it's contagious (laughs) and it's you know like I know I need to see it and just like with MVP Baseball like at this point now it's so old I'm sure I could find an emulator or something like that but like it's hard for me to be wowed by something whenever graphics have come so right. far, you know what I mean? Like the way you interact with it, it's really hard to kind of like put yourself back in and how cool that was at the time, you know? So, um, I want to, it's, it's, it's on the bucket list of like, Hey, go back. See if you can find an emulator, find somebody that has a system, play it. But I just never have up to this point. You're, you're um, going to have trouble man, for, finding it, an it,
0: emulator for that. It's, I don't know that that one's really out there too much. Uh, to yeah. Pretty niche. Yeah. Uh,
1: but yeah, fair enough. <sighs>
0: Yeah, you're not gonna be able to go back for that one. You you can go back for Godfather, which is it it's fine. You know, like pe- people freak out about things. It's it's a solid mafia movie. You you've seen it all already because people have uh mm-hmm. copied it so many times over the years. So it's it's not gonna like surprise you in any yeah. way. You already know about the big scenes, I'm sure. Uh so mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Don't worry about yeah. the Godfather. <laughs> That's my take. <laughs>
1: Th- that'll be the, the headline whenever you post this on Twitter. Don't worry about the Godfather, whatever. In quotation. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So round two, right? Yes. It's on me again. Um, I am going to take a Justin pick uh, that was from the sitcoms, and I'm going to take The Simpsons. Um, so if you want to talk about body of work, obviously, like they, I think they originally aired as, on the Tracy Ullman show back in like 1987 or 1988. Um, they've been around for decades at this point. They're an American institution. Everybody knows The Simpsons. Um, everybody also knows that, you know, the last couple of years they have kind of fallen off and, you know, there were rumors, you know, 10, 15 years ago that Matt Groening wanted to leave and Hank Azaria was going to leave and Yeardley Smith was going to leave and all these different people are going to be, you know, breaking up and whatever, but for whatever reason it has still stuck around. Some might argue that maybe it should have drifted off into the sunset because, you know, let's, let's be honest, you know, the, the level of production isn't as great as it once was. I will get that, but every once in a while you still get a gem. And like I said, because it does have such a huge category or such a huge catalog, you know, season seven through 10 is like the golden era of The Simpsons. There's just so many hundreds of episodes that you can just break down into. Like, um, I think my personal favorite is whenever Bart sold his soul uh, to Millhouse. That episode is just absolutely incredible. I love the Irish festival. Um, I I can name a bunch of little ones that people, you know, would, would gravitate towards. I'm sure people are just screaming at me to not, you know, to name other episodes that they're into. Um, But it it really is just an American institution. And like I said, it's it's 22 minutes long when you account for commercials and everything. Um, And it just it's 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 so it's so iconic. Even some of the worst episodes, it's just like pizza. It's bad pizza, but you'll still eat it. You know, just like with The Simpsons, even if it's a bad episode, that doesn't really make sense. And it doesn't hold up to that high standard of like season seven. I'm still going to watch it every single time it's on t v so that's my second pick. It's a classic. it's an American institution. I've been told that I look like Bart Simpson just because like I have a weird shaped head and a weird face, so um yeah, he's kind of like my kin in that sense, but yeah, that's my number two is the simpsons
0: all right all right the uh the well you talked about kind of not criticizing Justin Paul too much for leaving things out. I was a little sad that they mm-hmm. left out South Park to me yeah. at least it's it's on a, the same level with Simpsons. I wish I was there to pick, uh, but they're they're a little bit the same way in that they they have some lulls and then they come back and they're just spitting fire and then they're they're clearly out of ideas again. <laughs> Do you have a favorite
1: South Park episode, uh, by the way?
0: Yes, I th- I think it's I think it's the Warcraft one. Uh, that's probably yep. A, yep. <laughs> a, a, a pretty yep. vanilla <laughs> choice, but <laughs> that, I, I, that's one of the few that I've watched more than like one or two times. Yeah, that I've actually gone back to. All right, so I need to make a pick, and I don't have enough screen real estate for all the things I'm doing here. I think I'm going to go, and, and I agree with Yancey in that I'm not doing this to kind of construct the best fantasy team, so to speak. I'm just picking for the joy and myself. And so I'm going to take the cartoon character, Rick Sanchez, with my second pick. I thought that he was the best cartoon character picked in that draft. Uh, he was Paul's eighth selection, and he's one of my favorite characters right now in television.
1: So, how how big of a Rick and Morty fan are you? Is it is it basically just because of Rick Sanchez, or is it because of the show as a whole? Obviously, it would be hard to to not like the show if, if he's you know like your favorite character of all time.
0: I, I really like the show overall. I, I wouldn't say it's just Rick that I like about it. I think Rick in a vacuum mm-hmm. isn't a show, you know, it's, it's all the supporting uh, bits and pieces of the show that work too, it, especially just like the, the little one-offs like Birdman and, uh, because field, just like all these like little funky details that they throw in and reference a few <laughs> times <Yep. laughs> that the, they won't mean anything to you. If you haven't seen the show, it's,
1: He's a sloppy drunk. Yeah. He's a sloppy drunk. He's kind of a jerk. You know what I mean? But um, I, I don't know if you've noticed this looking at my um, at my Twitter. But the last couple of weeks, my my about me, my little bio thing is, is actually actually Rick Sanchez quote. And I, I didn't know that you were going to talk about Rick Sanchez. So that's actually really funny. But like my bio literally says, just an inert chunk of randomly assembled molecules drifting wherever the universe blows me. That's obviously a Rick Sanchez quote. Um, nobody has ever like called out to it like, hey, that's. That's from Rick and Morty, but there it is. So um, I've never felt closer to you than I do right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, gl- gl- glad we could bond over this. Uh, let's Yeah, for sure. Let's All right, so this third round. What do you got?
1: Yeah. All right. Um, I'm going to go with another favorite, and that is going to be The Office. Um, so I'm not trying to just stack TV shows, but, I mean, if you talk about a piece of pop culture that they've done on these, these are shows that I've spent the most time with. Um, The office is my comfort food. The office is my stress reliever. It is my security blanket. It's, It's my soother. It's my binky, whatever you want to call it. This is whenever I can't think of something to watch, I put on the office. Whenever I'm extremely stressed out, but I don't really want to engage like deeply or intellectually with a piece of content, I put on the office, right? You know, if I want to be thinking and 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 really try to build out a world and and anticipate moves, like we're watching Ozark right now, and um, it's all about like you know they're gonna do this, they're gonna they're gonna take this path, or this person is gonna hook up with this person and partner and whatever. Whenever I want to shut my mind off, basically, and just be entertained and just laugh at the same jokes every single time, it's The Office for me. Um, I've watched it end to end, probably six times, seven times. Um, sometimes I will literally flip a coin and then flip a coin again, and then just decide which season and which episode of that, of that particular season that I'm watching. All the characters are so strong. It is corny. It is cheesy. Um, Jim it actually isn't as good of a person as everybody likes to think that he is. Um, I think one of the most interesting characters in the entire show is just Michael Scott. Like, I, I know that sounds, it's, it's not really revelatory because he is the most forward-facing person on the show, but the character development on him is really bar none. Like, the way they're able to Make him not just a punchline, but like also somebody that 's like deeply deeply troubled that has a severe fear of rejection of being alone like there 's actually a lot of really dark elements that are kind of brought out and fleshed out and're disguised as comedy in the office, and that 's why I like it 's just that duality of of being serious but also being absurd at its face. so the office is my number three pick it 's amazing, and i 'll probably watch it again tonight, like falling asleep
0: yeah, I certainly have my own falling asleep shows that i 've watched. Uh... A lot more than six or seven times. Uh, the, the two that I go to the most are The IT Crowd and uh, a show called Black Books. Uh, they're both British comedies. They're short-run shows, so uh, watching it end-to-end is not the same as watching The Office end-to-end. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. Never, never heard of either of those. Yeah.
0: You can find IT Crowd on Netflix. It's hilarious. And Black Books is on Hulu and it's probably a some people find it hilarious, and some people just won't get it. <laughs> it's about those types of shows. Yeah, fair enough. I am going to pick for my third-round selection in in the sports movies draft. Paul took Major League with his 10th pick, and I think that's a first-round pick. Uh, it's my probably my favorite sports movie, and so I'm taking it here. I don't know that a lot of explanation is really necessary. It's a great movie. It's about baseball, and it's hilarious.
1: Fair enough. I also haven't seen it, so um, I'm surprised at how many things on this list I have not seen. It's actually really upsetting. Um, so I'm looking over the make, list right make now. Make and... time
0: for Major League, because that's, that's not like the godfather. Yeah. That, that's one to, to go see, and you know, some of it's, not all of it's held up as well as it could have over time. You know how jokes can be. They, they meander out of phase yep. a little bit, but it, it's still very good, very tight movie, and you get a lot of fun baseball archetypes. You also get a lot of of the jokes that people make online.
1: (laughs) It's actually really funny. You would say that because that keeps coming up where lines that people are saying to me, when I used to do dear Mr. Fantasy with Chris McBride, he would keep throwing out these little one liners and I would just kind of look at them weird, but come to find out it was because it was from major league. And I'm like, okay, well it makes sense that I would have to go back and see. It's just like you, you mentioned MVP baseball, 2005 earlier. So many people in our little niche, which Fantasy Baseball Twitter is the nichest of niche. Oh, yeah. Like our most popular people, our most popular accounts have like 30,000 followers. You know what I mean? Whereas like, you know, with football, like there's, there's beat writers in football that have millions of followers. You know what I mean? We, that type of exposure just doesn't exist. So everything by default in our little community is a lot more niche. But um, So I'm actually going to go kind of like a negative route here. It, and it's weird to rank this in my top 10, but I feel so strongly about this that I wanted to include it. Um, And the things we hate about sports show, uh, Justin picked TV blackouts as his number three. Um, There is nothing I feel more strongly about that needs to be fixed in Major League Baseball than blackout rules. You have states like Iowa where they're blacked out from, I think it's like 17 teams. Or uh, talking to Alex Chamberlain, he lives in Hawaii with his wife. They, They can watch almost nothing because of these blackouts. I, I don't understand why Major League Baseball thinks that this is in their best interest because they are selling the long term for the short term, which is exactly the opposite of what you're supposed to be doing as an investor, as a, an accomplished business person. And all these people are billionaires. You know what I mean? So I understand that they got where they are either you know one of two ways. Either they earned a bunch of money or they inherited money, which whatever, this is America, I guess. Um, but I wish that the incentives were more as far as growing the game. And the fact that I cannot watch my favorite team here locally on my phone without a VPN and you know I have to use my laptop to, to block my IP address because I don't have cable, but I still buy MLB TV, but I can't, even though I paid $200 for MLB TV, I can't watch the Rays without going on my laptop and having to ghost my, my location. And I hate that I have to do that. I hate that that's the user experience. It's not that I don't want to pay money. It's that if I got cable, it would literally only be to watch baseball you see what i'm saying yeah um i think it's killing the game i think it's it's an absolute cancer um i feel so strongly about it and i i think this is one of those things where you know eventually it is going to change and you're going to see them open up things a lot and i think the game is going to completely explode so tv blackouts that's my number four i i I agreed with everything justin and paul said it is the worst and the only people that like it are the 30 major league owners
0: yeah and i'm not even sure they like it it's just like a a weird corner they've backed themselves into in order to get a little more TV money. Now I I think maybe they worry that TV pot could dry up in the future. So they're milking it for all they can now, or maybe they're just that short sighted and don't give a crap. Uh, But yeah, yeah, I don't think there's any argument that TV blackouts aren't pretty much the worst thing happening from a fan's perspective.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. I need to make a pick and I'm not sure that I, Thought this far ahead yet? (laughs) I'm gonna pick Sherlock. Uh, It's it stars Ben Benedict Cumberbatch as Sherlock, Mm -hmm. and he he just plays the role so well. Uh, He he plays like the same role every time, you know the 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 dickhead that is super smart and can't relate to anybody else because of it. And he's he's amazing at it, and he's amazing in this show. It's a really tight plot. Uh, the the seasons are three ninety minute episodes, uh, and they're just edge of your seat, complete thrillers the entire way. And
1: mm-hmm. what, what? How many seasons did you say there were? I think it's it's
0: it? either three or four. I think it's three. I'm not positive,
1: but it, this is another one of those where there's there's so many there's such a uh, like a, a strong support behind it. But there's just the problem is, is there's just so many shows, you know what I mean? I'm always afraid to get into something that has you know several seasons to it because it's just going to become a time dump for me. But like again, I, I I know he's an amazing actor, and I've heard so much stuff about it. But like, what is what is the one thing that you love the most about it? Is it a character? Is it you know one specific episode? Is it like 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 what is the one thing that would sell me on that show?
0: I, I think it really comes down to just the the quality of the scripts and the uh, the pacing of the show is just. Dead on, perfectly done, and Sherlock's just got that—that that just enough, just enough of a flake of a humanity to uh, be relatable while still being just that, like, just that asshole that, for some reason, that archetype that you like, even though he's so terrible to everyone mm-hmm. around him.
1: Yep. Yep. That that's a that is a character flaw of society that we we do reward that type of behavior and everybody does it myself included like I I love the assholes I love the people that say what they want to say they do what they want to do, you know I, I like seeing that on TV whereas in real life obviously like those are the worst people you know, oh, you
0: yeah, know what I mean you can't stand this. So it's like that,
1: it's that weird suspension yeah that's so funny um all right so what are we on we're on our fifth round yes. yeah fifth round okay so I'm gonna take one this is gonna be really short I'm gonna take uh, Trivial Pursuit. Long story short, I have many character flaws as a human being. Um, I am very bad at directions. I've lived in the same town my entire life, and I still get lost. Um, I just lots of lots of character issues. I, I insulate my feelings, and I'm not a great communicator sometimes. And I'm not saying I'm a perfect person, but one thing I do have for me, weirdly enough, is a tremendous amount of information recall. Um, so Trivial Pursuit is right up my alley. I remember dumb things that I shouldn't. That are never going to help me in the real world except to win in Trivial Pursuit. Um, so it's just such a no-brainer. My family stopped playing with me just because it's it's honestly not fun. And uh, they implemented a couple times like a handicap where you know I would always be picked first in the family and then whoever went next, they got two picks and then it went back to us. So basically if I was on somebody's team, then their next pick would be number four because, you know, yeah, okay, whatever. It sounds like I'm trying <laughs> to brag, but I, I tried to set that up by, by saying that I have a lot of really... Really, really bad character flaws. But the one thing that I love is is Trivial Pursuit and the fact that I can read something once and I can remember it, and that just bodes so well for Trivial Pursuit. So that's that's my number five. It's a great game. It's kind of boring if you're um you know if you're not really into the whole trivia game and if if that isn't your strength. But man, you go to like a bar night or something and they're doing Trivial Pursuit and everybody is there and they're, and they're coming for you and everybody is dead serious about it. There is nothing more fun than that. It's it's competitive, but it's 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 intellectual too, and it's just. There's there's nothing better than like a trivia bar night.
0: I'm gonna stick with the the board game uh, category, and I'm gonna pick Cards Against Humanity because I love making people uncomfortable. Uh, so <laughs> we we got the game for uh, Sally's parents, and we played with some of their uh, friends, and I got to explain to them what smegma is. That was a lot oh my of fun. God. <laughs> Just looking at their horrified faces as I'm telling them. Yeah, yeah, this is this is what it is, yep. and I'm not going to tell you guys now because you might not want to know. Uh, you can Google it if you want. Uh, go go look for the images. Actually, really really dive in and uh, get it. Get a full picture of what SMegma is.
1: Oh god. <laughs> I um I, w- I was late to the Cards Against Humanity game. Um I never played it, you know, in high school or I, I don't even know how long it's been out, but it, 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 was, it was out was for a while before that I ever was played it that, that, that was Yeah, yep, you're right. You're right. Yep. Yeah, and uh, I I I played it, you know, maybe five, six years ago or something like that. I went to a, a house party or something for like a friend that was moving away. And man, it was really, really fun. And my wife and I discovered that. Um, I mean, we're almost unstoppable when it comes to picking each other's cards. And that's kind of like the game within the game is we're just trying to figure out which one was like, which one my wife picked and she picks out which one I I picked. And, um, like it's, I, I, we're like dead ringer set on this. Like it's literally like 90%. I can tell you which card she picked. And, um, I remember one time my older sister, she brought, <laughs> she brought like a really nasty deck. Um, you know, there's like the expansion right. decks or whatever. She brought some really nasty one to a family cookout. And my mom's like, let's play and i i I literally said i refuse to play with our mom and she's like you know what the hell is that supposed to mean and she's getting really offended i'm like mom i'm like i promise you we're gonna go one round and you are you are not gonna have a good time you know what i mean it's not like she's like the clutch of pearls type of girl but you know it's there are some crazy cards and some crazy scenarios and you're gonna hear your children say some stuff that you didn't even know that they knew what that was, and it's. I mean, that I know that that's the part that like makes it great, but man, just ha- can you imagine having to play with your mom? Have you ever done that before? I haven't
0: play with my mom, and I will avoid that at all costs. But I do like playing yeah, with Sally. Don't don't. <laughs> <laughs> Sally has Sally has very interesting parents. They're they're uh, unusual, and in a good yeah. way, and so they're they're a lot of fun to spend time with. Uh, I, I'm I'm lucky in that. You know, most people they they hate their in laws. That's the the cliche, and uh, I I got really good ones. <laughs> yeah,
1: no I, same here. I love my in laws too. Um, all right, so round six, yes. I think we're on or we're seven, on round uh, seven. All right, I uh, I let this one fall a little too far. This is one of my favorite movies. It's a it has a cult following. It wasn't very big in the box office when it first came out, but it has since it has this gravitas and it's kind of sticking around as, like I said, like a cult favorite and it's rounders. It's stars, Matt Damon and Edward Norton as the two main characters. Um, they play poker and they're poker degenerates basically. And without going into many specifics, it's, they get so many things right about actual poker. You know, and I, I've played a decent amount of live poker, not nearly as much as I'd like to, but um, just the interactions that they have with each other, that they have with other players, the things they say, the excuses they make, all these different things like they you can tell that they actually did a lot of consulting with oh, people yeah. who were actually intimately involved with the game you know
0: that that was a it, it's the definitive poker film uh, every, yes. every other like I, I shouldn't say every other but so often you see poker depicted in media and it's so half-assed uh, that that whole i see your your bet and i raise you is a string bet it's illegal and it's in every yep. every scene of every yep. like, man! yeah. <laughs>
1: and I, I, yep.
0: I, I always yell string bed at the TV. And every time I'm playing with new people, I have to explain to them, if you try string bed, I'm going to freak out. I'm going to throw things yep. at you. You can't do it. And yeah, that yeah. You, you don't get any of that shit in Rounders. It's all very uh, authentic and... Uh, At the same time, it's an interesting movie. It's got good plot. It should keep everyone happy if you like drama, action, that kind
1: of stuff. And immensely, immensely rewatchable, too. A lot of movies are great movies. Like, you know, Citizen Kane is a fantastic movie. I've seen it a couple of times. But guess what? It's not really the most rewatchable movie. Vertigo is a fantastic movie. I saw it once. I'm kind of done with it. You know what I mean? It doesn't have that same replayability. Whereas, you know, any time Rounders is on, you'll find me watching it
0: that's a characteristic of a good sports movies and you know, calling poker a sport. I, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that or I have never decided, <laughs> but it's it, it certainly <laughs> from a movie perspective, it, it's in that genre and with a good sports movie, it's just like a friend that you can come back to again and again. Uh, so, so replay uh, rewatchability uh That's a big part of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. So I got to make a sixth pick. All right. I'm going to go pretty serious with this one. It's MLB service time manipulation and kind of goes back to your blackout arguments. And it's just, it's bad for the sport. You shouldn't be hiding the most exciting players and young players who are going to be stars are the most exciting players. Uh, They're not quite there yet. You don't know for sure that they're going to peak, but when they do, it is the best thing in the world. And he shouldn't be hiding vladimir guerrero and wander franco he he could probably hold his own in the majors right now and you know they're they're going to try to figure out how to get the most service time they can on him and covid's probably helping them with that too but w- w- these these superstars in the making we we should be allowed to see them grow in the majors and the manipulation hmm. of service time prevents us from banning that
1: can I also say that it is it is such an insult to our collective intelligence whenever everybody knows that it is service time manipulation and that they're doing this just to get that extra service time. Everybody knows this. The player knows it. The team knows it. The fans know it. Everybody does. And yet they still have to lie. They still have to say, oh, we want him to work on his defense. Really? He plays first base. Like, like what really... It, there's so many different things that are such an affront to us as fans. And this this can be said for every single sport, to be honest with you, where one person or a small group of people make decisions at the executive level. And really the only reason you can have for them making that is, well, they, they don't know any better or we know what's better for them or we know what's better for the sport or they're not smart enough to come up with an alternative or they won't demand another alternative, you know? And that's the part that's so frustrating is like... <sighs> How, how long are you going to let something like this go on that is so obviously bad what benefit do you gain versus all of the ill will that you you, you put on the entire fan base and that that's the that's the main problem that I have with I think major league baseball It's just there's they're just constantly giving the middle finger to everybody.
0: They're, everybody they're they're holding on to that one as a collective bargaining chip you know they, they, they know they got to do something about it they know the end ways that they could fix it. And there really are just so many ways you could approach making that particular uh, issue better. I mean, you're probably not mm-hmm. going to ever do anything where a team's going to bring up an 18 year old Wander Franco to be a one war player, but you're still going to have different ways to prevent these like Vladimir Guerrero, where you keep him down for a few weeks, uh, Chris Bryant, same thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, you spoil relationships that way a bit too. Uh, you, you can say all you want that, you know, I understand it's a business, but the player's pissed, <laughs> you know, they're they're not happy yeah. and yep. it, it's not good for anyone, but the, the owners, they, they want to get something for it. They want to get, they want to trade it in collective bargaining and feel like they, they pulled it over on the players and they will, they're very good at that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. I agree. All right. So what are we on round seven, seven or eight? Seven. Okay. All right. So I'm going to go with a personal favorite from my childhood. Um, Back in the day I was wearing number 41 and I was playing Pop Warner football for the Riverdale Wildcats. Um, And whenever I was doing that, we were a pretty good team. We didn't go super far in the playoffs, but we were a really good team. Won a bunch of games and everything. And uh, in the middle of the season, a movie came out that kind of like really made me love football and made me really enjoy what I was doing. Uh, The the movie is "Remember the Titans," starring Denzel Washington. It is a fantastic movie. Uh, There's certain parts and elements to it that don't really hold up now, and they're, they're you know a little not PC, obviously. But um, just as like a background, I like I said, I went to I played for the Riverdale Wildcats, who were a local team. I was one of three white kids on the team, and the rest of the team was all people of color. They were all bigger and faster. I was a very slow grower, so like I was literally less than five feet tall. Very, very small, very, very skinny, but I could run, and I could run very, very fast. Um, And, you know, my mom was like, you know, are you sure you want to play sports? Are you sure this is for you? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And just being around that environment and, like, seeing how much we ended up going to see this movie together as a team, by the way, once we made the playoffs. And just being in that and, like, seeing how important this game was. To these kids and like how like this is they, they literally view football as a lifestyle as it's their way out of whatever situation that they're in and you know to me like it was just something to do something to have fun but that that whole ethos that you see surrounded around that movie where it's like no like this like football is life you know I, I, I consider myself now more of a baseball fan than a football fan but there was a while there where I didn't even know about baseball I never played little league baseball I never watched it on tv none of my family likes baseball at all like it's not something that was ever discussed in my family, um, so it was always just kind of football. And um, I'm not doing a great job actually describing the movie. Um, I don't want to give too much of it away because there's some you know plot elements and stuff that really you know you want to see it live if you haven't seen the movie before and not have somebody tell you it. But it is a beautiful movie about race relations, about learning to accept other people. Um, you know, there's all types of different characters, and it's not even just a black and white thing. There's you know sexuality involved in. in appearances and and, and all these different elements that are rolled into a sports movie. And it does it in such a way that it's not shoving it down your face. It's not, it's not force feeding you a message and it's not force feeding you some, some idealized agenda of what a movie should be or or how society should act. But it's just a smart, articulate movie. It gives me goosebumps whenever I watch it. Like it brings me back to all those memories I had of playing pop sports. And it's just, I don't know. It's just one of those nostalgic things. It's tucked away. It's been a long time since I've seen the movie, but I, I still remember so many scenes so vividly and, Um, yeah, it's just one of those weird links to the past that I'll I'll kind of always have.
0: Yeah, that was was a good movie. And I remember we we watched it a bunch of times in school. It was one of the go-to teacher doesn't want to teach movies. I think for my seventh pick, and this was actually selected in two different drafts. So once as a show and once as a character, I'm going to take Archer. I'm going to take it as the show. Uh, Because I... Okay. As much as I like the character Archer, he, he's not even my favorite character in the show, so I think i got to pick the show. I don't know how much explanation it needs. It's a, another raunchy cartoon, kind of like Rick and Morty. The, the thing I, I lo- really like most about the show, it's it's a weird thing to like most, is that they they cast Jessica Walter uh, to basically be her character from Arrested Development. It's like they, uh, like they just... Transported her into this cartoon. Uh, she's she's uh, animated to look like herself. Uh, her character is exactly the same. The same kind of wit and commentary. And now she's a, a spy master. And that, I just love how they they didn't change her at all. And, and some of the other supporting characters are also very entertaining. Uh, they all have their moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Parnell's character is just ridiculous. Uh, his his name Cyril Figus. He's a Comptroller. And completely, completely useless at most things, uh, except for accounting, apparently. Uh, And but of most of the jokes.
1: Uh, I have never seen Archer. I I think I've seen like little bits and pieces of one or two episodes. My wife, however, I think has seen all of them. um, And she she was just such an adamant fan. Like she has she has like, you know, weird little side interests as far as like shows and hobbies and movies and stuff that she holds on to, And that's one that she's always told me, she's like, Oh, it's amazing. She's like, you don't want to start it because as soon as you do, like you're, you're going to be completely engrossed in it. And you know, like you said, like I've heard it is raunchy. It is very, very adult, but I'm so into the adult cartoons. That is a genre that I'm just like, I'm very, very into. And I love the fact that like you do have this explosion of, of these different options in these different shows that like, I know that, um, if you go on like Adult Swim, there's there's like forty or fifty different animated adult you know themed shows and stuff. So like the, the genre as a whole has just exploded, which is awesome. Um, all right, so I need two more picks. Three more. I, this is actually Around like eight. really difficult.
0: We're, we're...
1: well, no, we've got, we've got we've got Breaking Bad, The Simpsons, The Office, uh, TV blackouts, Trivial Pursuit, Rounders, Lost, and Remember the Titans. So we got two more. That's eight.
0: I think you. Um, I don't. I don't remember talking about Lost. I think we need to talk about lost. That's your eighth.
1: Oh yeah. I wrote, I wrote it down. Okay. You're right. My bad. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> Let's talk about lost. <laughs> lost yeah. About I wrote lost. it down on my paper and I'm, and I'm counting it. Like I've already said it. <laughs> um, so the lot, the lost, lost is fantastic. It is a really, really good show. This is another one. Um, this was the first show I ever binged on Netflix. Um, I remember I, I just was bored one day and I started watching an episode of it when I was on break at lunch and I was like, wow, this is really, really cool. And I love all the characters in it, and I love the idea of it. And you know, it, it kept leaving you on cliffhangers, so, 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 like painfully odd cliffhangers, where you want to know what's going on. What's up with the black smoke? What's up with the numbers? What's up with this character and that character? And um, I remember just being so obsessed with it, where I was setting my alarm for you know two, two and a half, three hours before I had to be at work some days. And I used to, you know, when I worked back in retail. Um, you know, I'd have to be at work at four o'clock in the morning or five o'clock in the morning. So I was really waking up at two o'clock in the morning so I could watch as many episodes as possible because I was so obsessed with this storyline. Um, and I ended up watching the entire series of Lost, like literally like in a week or less than a week, something like that. Um, it is a fun show. I know the ending is extremely controversial. There's people who they felt like they were promised by the producers and the writers who were doing all these press conferences and interviews and stuff about it that they, they swore that the ending had a scientific reason for it, that, you know, like it was going to make sense and it was going to tie everything together. And, you know, for the people that haven't actually watched the show or seen the ending, like it is anything but a scientific <laughs> ending. Um, it, it is very, very, you know, up for interpretation, very ambiguous, but... Um, I think it's just such a cool show, man. It is really well done. Evangeline Lilly is, you know, like my celebrity crush. I, she looks just like my wife. Green eyes, fair skin, dark hair. Every every character in that is, like, really interesting. They do a great job of, sh- you know, shifting the focus between this character or these two people or this interaction. Everybody kind of has their moment to shine, and it's just such a smart, well-done show. So Lost is my number, what do we say, eight? Eight. My number eight? or Okay, yeah. Round Lost is my number eight. All
0: right.
1: Bye. Yeah. I... <laughs>
0: We'll take... Wow, this keeps happening. Where'd it go? Where'd you go? What was I looking at? All right. I don't know how well this one will age. I might look back a couple years from now and not think that much of the show, but right now I'm still a big Stranger Things fan. I I love the throwback feel of it and just it reminds me of childhood and the way it's shot and developed and at the same time uh, has a interesting plot and uh, good character development, good stories. And uh, I'm a sucker for fantasy. So th- this is a fantasy show mm-hmm. first and foremost. And I-, I love all the elements they tie in about it, uh, especially all the uh, Dungeons and Dragons uh, references. I'm not even a big, mm-hmm. I never really played Dungeons and Dragons, but I, I appreciate that they're-, they're in there and that the references exist. And uh, yeah, it- it's a lot of fun.
1: So I've, I, I have, I'm have I'm caught up on the Stranger Things. I think it's a fantastic show. I think it's one of the best shows on Netflix. I know people who literally just have a Netflix subscription so they can watch Stranger Things. So if that's what Netflix was aiming for, they accomplished oh, yeah. it because it is a fantastic show. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that we start in, obviously like how they led up to the newest season that's coming out. We're going to see this, but um, there's certain suspensions of belief that you have to have in order to enjoy the show, oh, which is like like there's how it's how the the idea of all these monsters and and you know this whole world is contained in this one little town and it doesn't get out and you know it's it's all based in this one little area and it's not more of a that that part i i kind of have you know i take issue with but again i understand that it's a show i'm really excited to see in you know future iterations of this i want to see this expand i want this to become a world thing multiple countries like you know governments having to work together and it not being this little insular, you know, little, little town over here. And I, I want it to become like this big, expansive, you know, I, I, dare I say multi No, I'm just kidding. Not that. But like, I, I, I love, I love the franchise. I love the characters. I love this soundtrack. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the band, but it, they're called Survive. Um, they did the entire soundtrack for all seasons of Stranger Things. And there are, it's basically like like four or five guys on keyboards. And that's it. That's the whole band, but really, really cool album. You should check them out. Um, Not just the, uh, the soundtrack, but just their original stuff too. But um, anyways, uh, so my next pick, I'm going to take a personal favorite of me and my siblings whenever we were kids and it's Dodgeball. Um, Dodgeball is a super kooky, weird, can't believe it got made. Probably it doesn't age well, but immensely quotable movie that is it's just dumb and i love it so much like there's there's so many like fun characters ben stiller is amazing vince vaughn is amazing um rip torn is in it like there's just so many kooky one-liners and it's it's dumb but it's fun and it's kind of like you know ben stiller went through that phase where like he was making like zoolander and then he made dodgeball and like he was making like these like really weird you know critically panned but commercial commercially viable movies um, you know, and he kind of switched a little bit and then he went into like live action, like, you know, uh, like Meet the Fockers or something, which is, a, you know, it's different. It's still comedy, but um, it's just a weird little movie, like a one-off. I never made a sequel or anything for it, but I just love it. And that's another one of those movies, just like Rounders, where every time it's on, I'm going to keep watching it. I just love that movie so much.
0: For my ninth pick, I am going to go with Wii Sports. Kind of changed the way we played video games and shipped free with Wii's, and I thought that was amazing. Just including probably, you know, one of the three or five best games they put out in the entire system it came in the box for free, and it's so much fun. We we pulled it out uh, for quarantine play about a week ago and played some bowling and <laughs> played some tennis and still having fun with it. Uh, so. I'm gonna say Wii Sports from the video game draft.
1: Do you have a Do you have a favorite sport on Wii Sports?
0: Ba- baseball is my favorite one, but no one will play with me.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, okay, so we have one or two more picks. I keep one more. losing count. Last pick. One more. All right, man. This actually is really tough. I'm, I'm, I'm doing like what you're doing is where like I keep, I keep looking over it, and I want to pick something, and then I see something else that I like that sticks out, but. You know, I'm this isn't a safe pick, but it's it's the right pick. Um, considering the fact that I I mentioned the show earlier, but I'm gonna take Homer Simpson. Um, Homer Simpson is he he is America, to put it bluntly. Um, one thing I love about Homer is the the writers and the and the voice actors, they've made it a point to 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 make it to where he's not just like a dumb drunk dad. Um, like there's so many different you know avenues that they've taken before where they actually made it to be where like you know he he can be extremely remorseful and thoughtful and and artistic and crazy but also like he can be inventive and, and 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 think on you know think on the fly and and get things accomplished and surprise people and that's what i love about him is like yeah like there's like the default you know he you know he drinks and you know he he burps and he's obnoxious and he chokes his son out and but they really they didn't keep with that same spiel for 25 years. Like he's, had, he's advanced, he's developed. I almost wanted to go Lisa Simpson here too. Lisa Simpson's like one of the most interesting characters like in TV history, but I'm, I'm going with Homer just because he is such an American institution and there's so much to him. I've literally read like think pieces and stuff on Homer Simpson about how he really is like an allegory for life in America and like all of the different, you know, paths to life and and, and different levels and and varying complexities that each of us has. And, you know, like there's a good side to him and there's obviously a very bad side, but he's just such an interesting character. He'll be around forever, I hope. And um, yeah, so hat tip to him. Uh, hat tip to Paul for taking him. I can't believe you fell to the ninth round of the cartoon yeah, characters somehow. draft, which is just insane. Yeah, that is absolutely insane. Like Roger Rabbit went before him, <laughs> Bugs Bunny was the first overall pick. Like, are you serious? But, you know, but like that
0: cartoon draft was one of their, their wonkier looking ones, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I mean, do what you want, you know what I mean. But like, Rick Sanchez was what your your second pick or your first pick? Yeah, I think it, he was right it up was there second. in the yeah, draft. him. I, I
0: love yeah. Rick Sanchez. I, I, I could see trying to, felt, to sleep on him in the draft, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but at the same yeah, time, but, he's he's definitely but, a first round value. Uh, yeah, I'm going to also go with uh, a iconic cartoon character and kind of kind of a lot of the. He's he's very different than Homer Simpson, but at the same time, he has a lot of these very American kind of quirks and flaws built into him. And it's Eric Cartman. Uh he he's not my favorite character from South Park. I think Butters is my favorite character. Butters is definitely my favorite character. Uh I would <laughs> I would have picked him well before probably, probably pretty much anybody on this this list of 20 names that they selected. Uh Butters if he were there yeah. there yeah. But yeah, but, for sure. But Eric Cartman is often the driving force of the plot uh that everything all the the strife in their little friend group is usually because of him uh if if it's something else it feels wrong you know it feels like they had to really stretch to get an episode where eric wasn't the the cause of everything that was going wrong uh so yeah. he he's a big part of that show he really has a lot of very american traits that uh for better or worse, are things that we should be aware of as a nation. And, you know, if we really want to think about how cartoons can, uh, especially adult cartoons, can reflect on the way we are as people, you know, it's, uh, it's something you could do with Eric. He, he could really study him just like he could with Homer Simpson.
1: Yeah, people people forget. There's, there's a group of people that give South Park all the credit it, it honestly does deserve. And then there's like a huge swath of people that think it's just like a another, you know, adult grotesque style show, but like it's also won an Emmy. Like they 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 go after everybody. Oh, yeah. Nothing nothing is nothing is is too fragile or too sensitive or you know, off bounds like they go after everybody. Like you, you remember with um was was it Isaac Hayes uh who voices yeah. Chef? Like they said, "Hey, we're we're going to make fun of Scientology." And he left the show. But guess what? They said, "Well, if you want to leave the show, then you can leave the show. We're going to do it." They did. They did the episode on Terry Schiavo that won the Emmy. Like I was talking to you about, I encourage everybody go back and watch that episode. It is not what you think. They are not making fun of her. Like they, they literally touch on like a humanist side to that. That is, I'm not even joking. I'm not even trying to sound like you know artsy or whatever. But like it was so beautiful how they classified that and how like they they went through that whole ordeal. And it wasn't even like they were taking sides or trying to, um, you know like basically like shove doctrine or or like their theology down your throat, but it was just really, really well done. And I I love the fact that they're, they're not afraid to take chances. And I love the fact that they've always, you know, had support behind them that says, Hey, go be yourself and go be honest and go do what you want to do. Like South park really is, you know, it's, it's on the opposite spectrum of of the Simpsons, obviously, because the Simpsons has always been on basic network television. Um, But both, you know, pushing boundaries and, and, constantly like making fun of things and ridiculing things, but also being fair about it and, and knowing that not you know, there's nothing that's that's that we can't touch on. I that's that's why I've always loved South Park. And one of these days I keep saying this, I I haven't seen every South Park episode, but I want to go back through and just watch episode by episode and like really invest like a whole summer on it.
0: That was a fun warm-up exercise, <laughs> wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, that was great, man. I I need to take a shower almost <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, that that was just scenario one of four. I'll, I guess we'll try to move through some of these other ones a little quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's time to move on. And so in the pre-show interview, you said that you're a big book reader. Uh, you then mm-hmm. immediately lost my interest when saying that you mostly read nonfiction. I never really have been able to sink my teeth into nonfiction. But you did mm-hmm. also include science fiction, and that's something I could work with. Uh, so we're going to do a little riff on Flay of the Concords and their uh, breakout song, Robots. It is the distant future, the year 2030. The world is quite different after the robo uprising of the late 20s. There is no more sign stealing. There is no more unethical treatment of the minor leaguers. Well, there are no more minor leaguers. Finally, robotic umpires rule the world. The humans are dead. Uh, so here's what I want from you, Yancey. Robo-umps rule okay. a post-human society, and being umpires, their overriding urge is to officiate a sport. Uh, they need that positive feedback of you know calling ball strikes, uh, making judgments, or else they'll slip into robo-depression. Uh, so what I want you to do is try to recreate robo-baseball. And some things to consider might be major role changes from vanilla baseball, who plays, are there even teams, etc.?
1: Uh, all right. So I'm, I'm thinking about this a little bit. If, if we're in the future, and these are all robots, right, we have to assume at some level that they're operating around this same level of artificial intelligence, which that makes it really, really difficult. So do we want to have a, a game that is all robots, and it's robots umpiring robots? No, because, I mean, they're, statistically speaking, like they're all going to be running Next to perfect or making the most optimal decisions or, you know, laser focus. And they have all these different tools and, and, and devices built inside them that is going to make randomness a problem, right? So what do I suggest? We play this out with robot umps, only we have animals playing, okay? Think South Park episode where they make fun of Family Guy by the manatees. And like the manatees use like ping pong balls with the topic of a show and whatever the balls, the manatees, you know, drop down the little chute or whatever. That's what they write a show about. Um, something similar to that. We, we, we have, we have manatees, probably primates, something that can hold some sort of bat. Yes. It's going to be a super low scoring environment, but I think this is the only way that you get some sort of, you know, randomness to this and you keep the robots happy. Okay. Because it sucks. Yes. This is a post-human world and all of the human beings are gone, but there still are animals. And we need to think of the animals. You piss off the robots. If you get the robots depressed, who's next? You see what I'm saying? So implement the animals. In, you know, invoke some sense of randomness to the entire process. Keep the robots happy, and then hopefully, in hundred thousand years, we see some sort of sentient life form, uh, or maybe perhaps our primates can, you know, transcend. They can incorporate some sort of artificial intelligence, and they can become the humans. That's that's my proposal.
0: It, it's it's fascinating because we're, we're we've made a scenario where there aren't really fans. You're not really doing this to entertain anyone, mm-hmm. really. It's just to give the umpires the ability to fulfill their code uh so yeah what, what you've created works
1: it's kind of, it's kind of like baby yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's for the sake of finishing this episode let's move on to scenario number three uh, another one of your interests was music uh, i think a lot of people like mm-hmm. music and what type of music gets you going
1: Uh, So I play a bunch of instruments. I play the drums, uh, keyboard, vibraphone, marimba xylophone. I love music. I love every single type of music. And I hate whenever people say, oh, I listen to everything, but really they don't. But I genuinely listen to everything. You know, I, I, I love jazz. I love, you know, the heaviest death metal you can possibly imagine. I love folk music. I love bluegrass. I will literally listen to anything. Open mind, it just has to be creative. It has to be artistic. There has to be some sort of skill to it. They have to be doing something original, something that I've never heard before. But man, I have, I have some serious love in my heart for all kinds of music.
0: Well, this topic should be pretty easy for you. It's the walk-up song game. So I'm going to list some brief scenarios and I want you to give me a theme song for them. Uh, so okay. first, what's your batting walk-up song?
1: It's going to be Refugee by Tom Petty. It's a, it's a cool song. It's a banger it has all these, you know, subliminal meanings, but it's just, it is just such a banger. It gets me hyped. The crowd would love it. So yeah. Refugee by Tom Petty.
0: All right. The score is five to two. You're coming out of the bullpen to close the game. What's playing?
1: It's going to be goodbye stranger by super tramp.
0: Okay. <laughs> I like it. Yep. It's a great song. The manager has pulled you after allowing five runs in the top of the ninth. What plays as you leave the mound?
1: I'm gonna pick Dancing on My Own by Robin. And it's it's like that song where like it's there's this weird, you know, like it's it's it sounds like an upbeat, dancey, you know, club style song, but like really it's it's a song completely about like rejection and like the cripplingness of of not being good enough or having somebody not want you. And, you know, like her walking away and like dancing on her own, basically. And like, I imagine that like you, you blow it, you blow the lead, you, you you know, like it's, I, I think it works. I, I wouldn't want to hear that. I wouldn't want to thrust myself into that situation, but I think it's just such a cool song. And, you know, I think it works in this scenario. Robin, dancing on my own.
0: Post game, your teammates are pointedly ignoring you as you mope. What song is playing in the locker room?
1: Uh, we're going to go with a classic, um, an underappreciated song by Elliot Smith, rest in peace. And it's Somebody That I Used To Know, not the Gota version. Okay, I'm talking about this original by Elliot Smith. Look it up. It is a painfully beautiful and, and just really, really depressing song, as most of Elliot Smith's songs are, but fantastic song. Somebody That I Used To Know by Elliot Smith.
0: Okay. You've returned to your hotel room and flop on the bed. Now what do you listen to when you're by yourself?
1: If I'm pumped up and, like, I want to keep that going, I'm going to listen to some metal, maybe, like, Power Trip or Converge or Allsest. Um, If I want to feel good about myself, I'm going to listen to some rap or some hip-hop, like Tyler, the Creator or Kendrick or Vince Staples. Um, and if I just want to, like, chill, I'm going to kick it back to, like, some 70s jazz records of, like, Gary Burton and Chick Corea um, on piano and vibraphone together. Um, again, this isn't me trying to be, like, super artsy. I play vibraphone, and it's some of the greatest music you'll ever hear in your entire life. So... Lots, it, it really depends on my mood, but I, I like to match the the soundtrack to what I'm feeling or or what I have coming and you know what I'm planning for, where my mind's at. So really, it's a it's kind of a mixed bag.
0: While you're trying to pick your song, you read on Twitter that you've been optioned to AAA. What is your Major League Back to the Minors theme song?
1: Um, we're gonna go with "Everything in Its Right Place" by Radiohead. I just like the idea of like. The, the facial expression you make when he, he talks about yesterday, I was sucking on a lemon, and you think about that like that awful looking face of like disgust of like it it it, it, it tastes so bad it almost physically pains you. He said in an interview one time that he got those lyrics because a, a reporter said to him during the interview, Why do you always look like you're sucking on a lemon? like you don't want to be here, you're unhappy with the situation like there's this foul taste in your mouth. it's just such a cool song too it's it's one of the greatest songs of all time, so um radiohead everything in its right place all
0: right. Last one, your agent has set you up with a podcast appearance on Juiced Balls. After the episode, they ask you what song you'd like played as the episode's title song, title track. Mm-hmm. What do you choose?
1: Let's go with Who Dat Boy with Tyler the Creator and ASAP Rocky. That that is like my banger, it was my ringtone for like a year and a half and I still love that song to death.
0: All right. That is the third scenario. So let's move on to the last one. Uh, You mentioned rounders as one of your picks. And so I do understand that you enjoy poker,
1: right? Uh, I love poker. I don't get to play it as much as I would like, but it's kind of making a little bit of a comeback now that, you know, so many people are stuck indoors. Like I'm getting invited to all these private online games and stuff. So um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping legislation to play legalized online poker for money becomes more of a thing because I'm just absolutely obsessed with the game. It's one thing that's never changed since I was like 15 years old. It's just being completely obsessed with poker.
0: Do you have a favorite game?
1: Uh, practice Hold'em, No Limit. Um, you know, I, I've dabbled with other games like Raz or Vadoogie. Um Sometimes I'll play PLO, Limit Omaha, but um, I think No Limit Texas Hold'em is just, like, the perfect game. It's quick to deal. Everybody only gets two cards. You can have a bunch of players playing at once because of the size of the deck and stuff. It's just, it is such a perfect game where there's a lot of strategy involved, but the fact that it is No Limit and you can go all in at any moment, it, it creates so much of, like, an uncertainty and a randomness to it that it, it really is just a, a beautiful, perfect game. It's, it's up there with, like, chess and, like, soccer as, like, the most beautiful games in the world. Like, I, I truly believe that it is absolutely perfect.
0: I think one of the things I like most about uh No Limit Hold'em is it, it works at like every end of the the uh talent spectrum, I'll say. Uh yeah, y- you're yeah. introducing someone to poker, they're a longtime pro. Uh the the game is simple and yet endlessly complex. And you can mm-hmm. take it to any of those levels based on who's sitting at the table. And you can put a pro against you know just someone who doesn't know what they're doing, and you know confuse them, <laughs> and it's it's definitely one of my favorites as well. Uh, I I was kind of hoping I, I knew you wouldn't say that, but I was kind of hoping you'd you'd say something about baseball or night baseball, which are two kind of niche variants. I don't know if you know them. Do mm-hmm. you?
1: No, I've honestly never even heard of them. Okay. i I'm, I'm like. 99% just playing Texas limit, you know, or no
0: limit. So, so you, you won't really find these online. They're, they're, they're kind of like old school, like bunch of wild card type games. They're built on seven card stud. Uh, so with baseball, you get your, your two under cards, your two hold cards, and then four up uh, one at a time. And then one down uh, night baseball. You just get a deck of seven cards or hand of seven cards. And they're all down. And you play them one at a time. The, the wrinkles of the game are nines are wild. Threes are wild, but you have to uh, pay for them. So I usually do. You have to pay. You have to match the pot uh, to get it as a wild card. You can also just opt for it to be a three. Uh, and then there's mm-hmm. fours where you can pay some amount, like a, a dollar or a quarter, whatever, whatever's like reasonable for what you're playing playing with. Uh, you pay a small amount and you get another card, uh, and then you're just making your best five card hand. And night baseball is the same way, except. You're flipping up cards until you have the best hand. Then you have a round of betting. Then the next person flips up cards until they have the best hand. They're they're crazy games. They're they're mm. completely absolutely bad shit. But uh, I bring them up because they are named after our favorite sport.
1: But also has nothing to do with baseball. <laughs>
0: no, no, not not even the slightest bit. I don't know where they got yeah. those names. I I played it growing up with my family, and I just thought it was like some game they'd made up. And then my friend in Georgia, I grew up in New Jersey. My friend in Georgia reintroduced me to the game like well, five years ago. And I was like, oh yeah, I remember this game playing growing up. And I like like I said, I thought it was just this like goofy game that my family made up. And now I've come to learn that it's been around. You know, it's, it's a hmm. thing. Uh,
1: One of these days I'll get around to playing it. Maybe if I actually show it to like a live event or like a meetup or something like that, like I've been trying to do for years, we'll, we'll play uh night baseball.
0: Yeah, it'll, it'll be fun. It'll be nuts. Uh, you you got to plan to have four of a kind or a straight flush. <laughs> that's that's what you're aiming for to win. Very cool. All right. Do, do you have like a signature hand? Uh, some of my friends have developed their versions. Uh, for instance, uh, there's a famous one in poker. It's the 10-2. It's called a Brunson after a pro player who won with it twice in the World Series of Poker. Uh, his name's mm-hmm. Doyle Brunson. I'm sure you're aware of him. Uh, but do you have a signature yeah. hand like that?
1: Um, I do. I won my first poker tournament when I was, I think, 14 years old uh, with red pocket fours. And um, 44 is my favorite number. And I I tend to overplay that hand just because I want to win with it. And, you know, so it's kind of like a, uh, (laughs) what is it, like a survivorship bias kind of thing where, you know, I'm using it more and I'm being more aggressive in certain spots with it because I want to win with it. So maybe my, my results are skewed with that hand. But Um, I think 44 is just – it's such a dope-looking number. It looks good on paper. It looks like two arrows or, like, two arrowheads or something or, like, two little, like, parts of, like, a race car. I don't know why I just said that. I sound really stupid. But, um, yeah, it's 4-4, and it's a weird hand. I like a bunch of other, like, little junk hands and, like, suited one-gapper hands, like, 6-4, 5-7, just because it's so difficult for a player to to see you having those in so many different situations. So whenever you have, like, a a flop that's, you know, a bunch of low cards – it's really hard to, to envision somebody having, you know, a six, four or five, seven, a three, six, that type of stuff. But pocket fours is my favorite, but I like any hand that can, that will win to be honest. (laughs) I like winning. I like winning more than I like pet hands, you know?
0: Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So here's the scenario. It's a pretty easy one. Uh, You could pick any five baseball players to join you for a night of poker. Who do you choose and why?
1: Um, I'm gonna go with Corey Dickerson, of course, C Dick. Of course. I've I've met him personally. He's a very, very nice dude, super sweet guy. I'd be a little worried about like my language and how I act around him. He's like very, very devout Christian, which is, you know, I totally respect that. I'd be so afraid that I would embarrass or insult him or something by saying whatever. Um, who else? I actually like glossed over this whenever you sent me the show notes. I didn't even think it would be this hard. Um Juan Soto, just because I think he's he's such a a, a frickin' stud. He's so awesome. Um I think. Who else is really good? Carlos Gomez is a lot of fun, like super, super fun. The Ray signed him as a free agent for one year, and he was just like – he just the, the light of, of the entire clubhouse. He's so fun, super high energy. Everybody loves being around him. Everybody's hugging on him and loving him. Um, who's another one? Who's another player that I really like a lot with a good personality? Young um, Gervis Solarte. Here, there's, there's a weird name. I don't even know if he's in the majors right now, but really kooky guy, super funny, weird personality. Um, a lot of these guys probably have like a language barrier, but I feel like there's a certain kind of humor that transcends language, and like that is the type of people that I want to hang around with. G Man Choi is a lot of fun. He's super dorky. Um, all of his Instagram live chats and stuff that he does is all in Korean, but I love to watch him because like he's always like cooking like squid or something and just like taking questions and like being silly. He's super fun. Um, And who's another guy I need, I need somebody that speaks English um, besides Corey Dickerson. Who's, who's like really fun and really like crazy and dorky Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo is super, super fun. Um, I was watching, I should have said Blake Snell. That's probably my, my number one pick. Blake is actually like, he is the only baseball player who actually knows who I am. And it's only because like, I I constantly talk about him and, and tag him and everything, but I'll go in his Twitch chats and he will actually like ask me how I'm doing. And like, you know, oh I saw this tweet that you did, or I saw this thing or that thing, and like gives me shout outs and it's it's the strangest thing that he could even remember who I am. Um, I think that a little bit of that has to do with the fact that I have an unusual name and the Rays have like one of the smallest fan bases in the country. Um, so it, it kinda has something to do with that, but he's just the super chillest, like human being on the planet. Like always always having a good time, always being fun and yeah, I, I think I named five or six, but I would want like a weird group of people, and I don't even care if, if language barrier is a problem. I just want to have like dudes that want to have fun.
0: Yep, that that sounds like a fun table. Uh, you got up to seven yeah. there. Uh, I'm not sure if you're counting G-Man Choi or not, uh, but you you listed seven, and it's a, it's a fun group, and you can talk about slapdick prospects.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but yes, Exactly.
0: All right, well, that's our show uh, for Yancey Eaton and myself. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Nonsense. Uh, Yancey, you want to tell us where we can find you on Twitter before we go?
1: Yeah, absolutely. My Twitter is at Based Balls. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) It's at – what? no, it is still my name, at Yancey Eaton, Y-A-N-C-Y-E-A-T-O-N. It's kind of all over the place. Um, I used to be Just Baseball um i have a lot of interests you know i'm I'm really into poker i'm really into science i'm really into uh, physics and quantum theory all all these different things you'll see me tweeting a lot about you know articles and journalists and all these different things so maybe if that type of mixed bag isn't your thing you can abstain that's totally cool um i am also a realtor with my wife uh, down here in southwest florida i know this is a long shot brad but if you have like a ton of people that are looking to buy and sell houses in this area you know obviously send them to me and uh, i'll be happy to help you but other than that thank you for having me this is a I like weird podcasts. This is a weird one. Um, and I don't mean that as like, you know, being negative. I think that the premise for your shows and the, the the questions that you flesh out and the things that you ask them, like it caught me off guard in the best possible way. And it made me think about things differently. And it's super refreshing to see people like you like just doing their own thing. And I, I genuinely appreciate it and I, I hope you keep doing this for a long time. You guys, please go follow Brad. Please support him on his Patreon. You know, you're doing fantastic work and um I can't wait to come back on.
0: All right. Until next time. All right, that was fun.
1: We did it. We did it.
0: Juiced Balls is filmed in front of a live studio audience. Support for the program comes from the Baseball A-Team community on Patreon.com. Become a patron at Patreon.com slash Baseball A-Team. Baseball is looking for a producer, for show music, and conceptual ideas. Reach out on Twitter at Baseball A or via Baseball A community on Discord. The distant, the
1: distant future. It is the distant future, the year two thousand. We are robots. The world is quite different ever since the robotic
0: uprising of the late nineties. There is no more unhappiness. Affirmative. We no longer say yes. Instead, we say affirmative. Yes, Uh,
1: affirmative Unless we know the uh, the robot really well There is no more unethical treatment of the elephants Well, there's no more elephants, so Uh, But still, it's good There's only one kind of dance, the robot Oh, and the robo Oh, and the robo, two kinds of dances But there are no more humans Finally, robotic beings rule the world The humans are dead The humans are dead